Welcome back, Bankless Nation, to DevCon 6, the DevCon 6 experience in this interview. I'm talking with Dankrat Feist of Dank Sharding fame, of course. Dankrat is the guy that is leading Dank Sharding for us all, EIP 4844, which is proto Dank Sharding, and then later Dank Sharding itself. I asked Dankrat about the layer two wars and how 4844 will impact all of these things and what Ethereum will look like under a 4844 paradigm and really just why we should be excited about 4844. I also asked Dankrod about his experience in Bogota, what it's like to be at all of these DevCons and how Bogota is different and what Dankrad gets up to after DevCon is over and the sun goes down. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dankrad Feist from the EF, Mr. Dankshardding himself. Bankless Nation, I'm here with Dankrad Feist here at Bogota, DevCon 6. Dankrad, have you been to every DevCon? No. No? Okay. How many DevCons have you been to? Uh, my first DevCon was Prague, so Prague. 2018. Yeah. Okay, 2018. So that's yeah. three DevCons. So this is your third yes. DevCon. How does this one compare to all the other ones? I think this one's really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. Great shout out to the organizers. I think like it's I think the best DevCon so far in mm -hmm. terms of organization and how everything like just works smoothly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is my first DevCon, but I've heard of the chaos of previous <laughs> DevCons. And it also seems to kind of correlate with the general chaos of the Ethereum ecosystem. <laughs> now we're a little bit more like we're post-merge, like we've shipped some stuff. We got our coordination down. And that has also extended itself into the DevCon layer, if you will. What are you enjoying the most about Bogota and about DevCon? What's really like uh, gotten your juices flowing here? Um, I think like... Yeah, it's the mood of like Ethereum now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there was a long time where it felt like progress was really slow mm -hmm. and was tough, and like research never actually made it into the protocol. Sure. And I think we are at an inflection point where that is actually mm -hmm. changing with the merge. Mm -hmm. And I think like you can feel it in the community that this like people see this optimism mm -hmm. and are very happy that like over the next few years will actually scale and will mm -hmm. actually be able to do all the things we wanted to do. Certainly, yeah. And you know, as all the listeners will know, we all feel like we're in a bear market, but you don't really feel that energy here. And I, I want to ask you about like developer morale now that we are post-merge. Like it's probably the biggest win in the crypto space yeah. and definitely in the Ethereum space that we've yeah. ever had. So how is developer morale now? Mm. So I think, I mean, I always think like, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but mm -hmm. I think like many developers feel that they're actually more productive in a bear market and it's actually a better time to ship things because you're distracted by fewer mm -hmm. things. There are not that many people who maybe like are only in it for the money and calling you all the time and, mm -hmm. all, and all that. So I think people are still very positive and optimistic. Mm -hmm. I think it was a stressful time for many of them. So sure. I think many of them will probably at some point want to take some time off as well. But I think like the mood is optimistic. Certainly well-deserved, but also Ethereum developers never seem to stop developing. And <laughs> yeah. now that we have like this confidence of the merge behind us, I've always thought that like the merge was just the biggest training ground for developer coordination and developer shipping. And now not only have we practiced coordination, we've delivered it and had that like a great successful merge. And now we're on the other side of it. Do you think development is actually going to like speed up once everyone has had their break and comes back to the table? I mean, personally, I do hope so, because in a way, like, I think like what we are planning to do over mm -hmm. the next few years is going to be quite difficult. Like mm -hmm. it will require a lot of work and a lot of coordination. Mm -hmm. So yes, like uh, we definitely need to like improve our game as well on like making those changes happen. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to work. Like I can see like lots of momentum in the Ethereum mm -hmm. community. What are the technical challenges that you see looming overhead in the horizon? So, I mean, I think like, yeah, I mean, basically with sharding, data sharding, like mm -hmm. we are attempting something that has never been done. And mm -hmm. it's also especially like, so it's like a complete change 
in terms of how blockchain work. And clearly, like some other projects are attempting this as well. I think all of them are somewhat less ambitious in terms of decentralization than we mm -hmm. are. And so that makes it just a very hard project mm -hmm. to deliver these things. And like doing all these on a working project that has like large scale use mm -hmm. makes this all the more difficult. Yeah. But isn't Ethereum always doing things that have never been done before? Yes, I mean, I guess the merge was one of these yeah. things, but mm -hmm. yes, yeah, yeah, for sure it is. But I think like these changes over the next few years are, I think like Vitalik had this nice S curve right. and I think, yes, it is right. We had this little inflection at the bottom and mm -hmm. now we have to like deliver the rest of it. And so the year of 2021 was like the year of ultrasound money. It was EIP 1559. It was the merge and like, you know, testing this merge. But then now that's all behind us. And now everyone is focused on EIP 4844 or proto dank sharding, of which is your name, right? Dank sharding, dank rad, and also proto lambda. Do you feel like my vision is like the Rocky Balboa is running up the stairs and like now it's your moment? Is that how you feel? It's like, oh, this is dank rad's moment. I mean, it's certainly the things that I have been looking forward to mm -hmm. the most in terms of what I actually mm -hmm. wanted to do when I joined Ethereum Research a few mm -hmm. years ago. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to these changes making it to the protocol. Okay, so what about dank sharding or proto-dank sharding? Why is that what your brain focuses on? Like, why is that the thing that interests you? Like, some people are interested mm -hmm. in EIP 1559. Justin yeah. Drake is mm -hmm. interested in ultrasound mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. You're interested yeah. in dank sharding. Why? I mean, all of these are important things. But mm -hmm. clearly, I mean, Ethereum right now maybe can serve in its current form like maybe mm -hmm. a million people or something mm -hmm. and we want to bring that to a billion so like i feel like every like day we're spending mm -hmm. at the current form is like a day that's lost to all the other people who mm -hmm. could use ethereum so mm -hmm. i think like in that respect i feel it's a very urgent change sure yeah. okay and i'm sure you've explained what proto dank sharding and dank sharding is but have you ever done it in like can you explain dank sharding in like one sentence or less <laughs> how quickly can you explain dank sharding um it's basically, it's the roll-up booster. You've heard about roll-ups. They make Ethereum much cheaper and more efficient. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's like putting an afterburner mm -hmm. uh, under them and making them work yeah, even much more cheaply and mm -hmm. uh, allowing them to serve a lot more users. And why? What is the big technical lift here? Mm -hmm. Like when you look under the hood of the Ethereum protocol, what's the technical lift mm -hmm. that we've never done before? Mm -hmm. So... In terms of like the current change for 844, mm -hmm. there is no fundamental change how mm -hmm. technically the blockchain works. There are some new things that we introduce that will prepare it for full sharding, but those are not strictly technically mm -hmm. necessary for what we're doing there. What the big change with sharding will be that we're building a blockchain that maintains the full security as we are used to and decentralization from Ethereum, but does it by providing a data availability layer that scales beyond what the individual node can process. So, so far, all blockchains are built in mind with like, okay, like we can never do more than your individual node that you run at home mm -hmm. can process. And we are going beyond that. We are building a blockchain that is as secure and decentralized, but can go beyond that scale. Okay, beautiful. And of course, having accessibility is a core pillar of Ethereum. And this is how we, yep. like you said, allow Ethereum to be accessed by everyone in the world. Now that we're post-merge, there was, I'm assuming, a lot of previous developer talent that was focused on the merge that is now no longer yep. focused on the merge. And so now, is that now it's being diffused across you know, all the other EIPs. Yep. Is it like how much of EIP 4844 is now the focus versus mm -hmm. people focusing on other things like account right. abstraction or other EIPs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so these are discussions that are going on right now. And mm -hmm. clearly, like, I'm a big proponent of, like, making 4844 happen, even mm -hmm. in the next hard fork. There are definitely some other things that will 
compete with that, like withdrawals need to mm -hmm. happen. Lots of EIPs want to get in, of course. Mm -hmm. I would say like getting 4844 done is very, very urgent. I hear that from many like roll-up teams and other mm -hmm. teams that like they're literally making the case that they have business cases they want to deploy and they cannot happen if mm. they don't have 4844. So I, I'm making the case that this should be a very high priority, mm -hmm. but the discussions on that are not finished. Certainly. Yeah. And the way I kind of think of 4844 or dank sharding, you call it an afterburners for yeah. roll-ups. I think that's a great way to articulate it. It's also just like, unlocking a ton of new use cases on rollups yes. that we wouldn't be able to have otherwise. Right. Mainly just because we're lowering the fees down to exactly. almost the theoretical minimum. And it's also like this question, like often like people have these use cases in mind, mm -hmm. but they just know that at the current scale, they can just never mm -hmm. work. So they don't even try to deploy them. So sure. I think these can now happen. Okay, so we ship dank sharding. Mm -hmm. Layer twos become super fast, super mm -hmm. cheap, yeah. super available. What are some of these use cases that your people are talking to you about or other use cases that you're excited about that would be unlocked after 4844? It's a permissionless system. So mm -hmm. like, I think we probably can't even imagine mm -hmm. what people are going to build on it. Like, I mean, I think five years ago, we wouldn't have known mm -hmm. what people will build on it now. But I think... There are great many, I mean, clearly, like, I'm always like, okay, like, think about the simple things as well. Like, I mean, think about payments, like, mm -hmm. it is an important use case, and we can't probably support it now. But I think like many other cool things, like maybe more social media mm -hmm. apps, that sort of stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. I don't have a great imagination for everything sure. that could happen. Sure. And it's a, of course, it's a hard question yeah. when you just don't know. Yeah. We've never, the blockchain world has never seen exactly. this availability before. We exactly. haven't had these opportunities because yeah. we haven't had secure block space that is super cheap. Yeah. My take on this is that the Ethereum layer one yeah. is heavy, heavy finance. You know, mm -hmm. NFTs That's that are super highly valued, a lot of DeFi stuff. Yeah. And Vitalik, of course, is is obsessed with non-financial use cases mm -hmm. of a blockchain. Yeah. And I think that we don't really get non-financial use cases mm -hmm. of a blockchain until we get transactions that are basically free. Right. Because the only transactions that we can really afford are the super expensive ones, and those are going to be finance transactions. Well, there are some exceptions. There are some mm -hmm. high-value non-finance transactions right. like yeah, ENS, mm -hmm. key revocations, things like that. Sure. But, yeah. Right, but it's very limited. But overall, right? it's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to unlock non-financial use cases of the blockchain, we need transactions that aren't financial, as yeah. in like basically free. Right. So I'm sure Vitalik will be super happy to see all these new use cases that come yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What else across the Ethereum developer space are, has captured your attention? Or are you just like tunnel vision mm -hmm. on 4844? <laughs> I definitely do have like most of my attention is mm -hmm. focused on the technical stuff and particularly L1. Mm -hmm. So like my other big project is statelessness, which I also think is like mm -hmm. an important change to the blockchain. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I can see many things happening, but mm -hmm. often I don't yeah, have particularly time mm -hmm. to look very deeply into the applications. Yeah. So right after this interview, I'm about to interview Bartek right mm -hmm. over there. And the layer two wars yeah. are hot. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you're at the EF, so you kind of just get to watch them all happen yeah, in front yeah, of you. Yeah. Do you have any like hot takes about the layer two wars or just like any observations? Because <laughs> there's a ton of announcements that happened this week. Right. I don't think I have any hot takes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm no, I'm really glad that it mm -hmm. happens. And like, I don't know, I couldn't have imagined like even one year ago how many teams would mm -hmm. be and really high quality teams would be trying to do this. Clearly, there's so many problems, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, most of them almost all of them aren't proper L2s sure. yet. And that's really the big challenge that probably you're also going to talk uh, mm -hmm. about with Bartek. Um, but I don't think all of them are going to make it. Mm. But I'm pretty certain that within a year, we will see like fully decentralized, proper, secure L2s on Ethereum. And that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Dankrad, this certainly seems to be the golden age of Ethereum building. And so thank you for being a shepherd, a pioneer of that age. Yeah. Uh, and I hope you have a fantastic time the rest of your time here at DevCon Bogota. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you.